I have once again invited my first guest, a man who has healed a lot of people as a dentist and has helped a lot of people with serious issues ranging from stuttering to TMJ. But as far as I'm concerned, the greatest work that he does on a regular basis is helping people find happiness, even at times when happiness seems absolutely impossible. Very pleased to welcome a modern-day Renaissance man, comedy writer, stand-up comic, host, author, producer, director, and former dentist, the one and only Jeffrey Gurry. And Jeffrey, welcome back. Frank, thank, it's always such a treat to be on with you. Thank you so much. The treat is is mine. I appreciate you coming in studio so Late at night or early in the morning, depending on your uh, your perspective, <laughs> always confuses me. <laughs> Let me ask you about uh, my colleague uh, Dominic Carter in New York. Spent a lot of time on this last hour, and I had this on my list for this show, so it was fortuitous that uh, it caught Dominic's eye as well. But not surprising because Dominic is, has spent a good part of his life dealing with issues related to mental health awareness and things like that. Suicide is going up around the country. And when you see just that headline, when you see that statistic, you think, okay, a bunch of young people are just doing too many drugs. The rate of the uptick of suicide seems to be being driven by older people, which is not necessarily something that people would immediately think at least it wouldn't be what i think you think of suicide you think of people dealing with adolescent angst they make some poor decisions uh, they have a difficult time they don't necessarily have the emotional wherewithal to deal with something like a breakup in your view and i know you've thought about this a great deal you've studied this and um i'm curious why you think the country as a whole seems to be getting more unhappy well, we're surrounded by negativity, Frank. It, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I would be lying if I said it didn't affect me. You know, I, I talk a lot about happiness, and no one could be happy every day. But what we've been through in the last three years is inexplicable. It's, you can't really even process it. And, and I think if we spoke to more people, you would even find out even more people have had what they would refer to as suicidal ideation, and I have to admit myself, when it happened to me when I was so sick with COVID double pneumonia. I had never been so sick in my life. And I was afraid to call an ambulance. They were warning people not to go to the emergency room. I got sick the day they declared it a pandemic, wow. March 11th, 2020, when nobody knew anything about the virus. Well, you know, I'm a trendsetter. So I went right <laughs> out and got it. I didn't want to wait. I went out immediately and got it. And single pneumonia was not good enough. I went in with both lungs, double pneumonia. You don't do anything halfway. And I'm joking right about in. it now, but let me tell you, at the time, it was very scary, and I was really sick. I had never been that sick in my life, and I had a heart attack about seven, eight years ago. Mm. That was nothing compared to what I experienced with COVID. And because of that heart attack, they were warning people, don't go to the hospitals if you can help it. After two weeks, I suffered for two weeks, and... On the Sunday night, I had to call an ambulance. I, w I waited mon till Monday morning. I don't know how I did it. On that Friday, my kid said to me, Dad, you have to call an ambulance. And I don't know how I got through that weekend. But that Sunday night, I went out on my terrace, and I was so sick, and I was so depressed. And the thought came to me. And I love my children so much, I couldn't do it. But I actually had the thought, I can't take this anymore. The pain was so great. The physical pain of being sick for two weeks. 
and I said, I'm going to call an ambulance in the morning. Now, knowing me, I couldn't figure out what to wear to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking, but it's I was trying to think, what do you wear to go to the hospital? And I knew I had to take a bag with me. And I'm like, what do you pack to go to the hospital? People don't know these things. You have to bring something with you. And I didn't know what was going to happen to me. That's the crazy thing, that when you're in that state, you have no idea what's going to happen. It seems surreal. I called 911, and they didn't come right away. They were running out of ambulances. They were, sure. they, they were so overloaded. They interviewed me on the phone to ask my symptoms. And when I told them that, uh, about my heart condition and that I was, already, that I was just bleeding from my nose and I had every other symptom, I could still breathe, though. And they said, we're coming for you. And two men came in hazmat suits, and they, one guy showed me so much kindness. And I, ha I have to stress how important kindness is with people. The simple act, he took my hand and he said to me, don't worry, you're going to make it. He said he was impressed that I could get up on the stretcher myself because he said most people needed to be carried to the stretcher. And they took me to NYU Langone and they nursed me back to health. It was the most amazing thing. But I had that feeling that I didn't want to be here anymore. I couldn't take it. And you ha I feel so bad for, for people because not everybody has a way of working that out right. in their head. I've been studying spirituality for about 30 years. I, I, I spent 20 years on the board of the Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy, and they accepted my work, even though that's not my training. Sure. I was not a classically trained psychotherapist, but I wound up lecturing at energy psychology conferences. And the concept is you have to work to change your thinking. When you're in a very depressed state, there's a spiritual concept that whatever you're going through is your path. You can't choose it. You can't only say, only when things are good, that this is my path. I had to tell myself when I was laying there in the hospital, for whatever reason, this is my path. I have to experience this. And I pray, and I say, help me to get through whatever this is. It's, um, if people just tuning in, we're talking with Jeffrey Gurian, author of several books. They're available on Amazon. By the way, if you're someone that uh, is ever experiencing suicidal thoughts and you feel you may need someone to talk to and help you work your way through it, you can call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. That's 988. It's available 24 hours a day. But keep listening to our show first. Call yeah. after our show is <laughs> right. over. Exactly. Because uh, we'll lift your spirits uh, significantly. But what you mentioned your health issues um, at leading to a feeling of de depression. Obviously, whenever somebody goes through a traumatic life event like that, and sometimes it's even more so when it's the loss of a loved one, you it's only natural that you're going to suffer with depression. You're going to get upset. You're going to get the Absolutely. blues. How does someone know if the level of sadness that they're feeling is part of the natural way of dealing with grief or dealing with the things life throws at you, or if you're at a point where you may need to seek some sort of serious help? Well, if it's incapacitating, you know, if the person just cannot function, then they need outside help. The other way is, look, when I had the heart attack, I mean, it came out of nowhere. I had never been sick a day in my life. The night before, I was out partying with Sirius XM people and mm. people in the comedy world. And in the middle of the day, I just get this, this thing. And you know what? It felt like I didn't have any of the regular symptoms that they tell you, an elephant on your chest, you're sweating, you're nauseous. 
I had nothing like that. I had a cramp. Have you ever had a cramp in your calf? Sure. So you know how uncomfortable it is. I started getting that in my chest, and I was rubbing it, and it felt better. And I'm like, well, it can't be a heart attack. Right. You can't rub away a heart attack, right? So I, I was going to a chiropractor that day. I had my first appointment with a chiropractor, and it was pouring rain. And I almost was going to cancel. I don't like to go out in the rain because of my hair. As stupid as that sounds, I don't want to go out in the rain. If people don't know what Jeffrey Gurian looks like, he he looks like sort of a, if you could picture a Jewish Don King, you're well on your way to picture Jeffrey. And I have a picture with Don King. We actually took one together. I would love to see that He thought it was hilarious that we had our hair was like that. So so I was almost going to cancel my appointment. And then I said, you know what? You got to go. So I took an umbrella, of course, and I get on the subway and I'm going... And the pain is getting worse and worse. It's getting very intense. And I get off the subway. I had about six blocks to walk. I'm on 50th Street. I'll never forget, on 6th Avenue. And for some reason, I decide to turn down the block towards Radio City. And there's a police car there with four cops in it. And it's a very awkward thing to tell someone that you think you're having a heart attack because what if you're not? It's right. kind of, it's, it exactly. feels embarrassing yeah. Like to walk yeah. up somebody, you know, I'm having a heart attack. So I knocked on the window, and in my most polite way, I said, I'm sorry to bother you. I think I'm having a heart attack. And the cop says to me, well, I think you should go to the hospital. <laughs> and I said, well, that's why I'm telling you. I'm not just telling everyone. <laughs> I thought they were going to say to me, hop in, we'll put on the siren, and right. we'll take that's you to the I hospital. Mean. Now, I'm very pro-police. I, love, I thank sure. every policeman I see. But these guys said to me, he says, well, we're stuck in traffic. It'll probably be faster if you walk. <laughs> So I said, well, I said, well, where's the nearest hospital? Now, you have to picture it's pouring rain and I'm standing there with an umbrella and I'm telling the cop that I think I'm having a heart attack. And he says to me, do you have Google Maps? (laughs) And I'm not embellishing the story either. So I said, no. He said, well, I think you should download Google Maps. And that's when I walked away. I'm like, this is a Woody Allen movie. This can't even be happening. I'm telling the cop I have a heart attack. He tells me to download Google Maps. So I could only get another half a block because the pain was getting very intense. There's another cop on the corner. He's on a walkie-talkie. I go up to him. I do the same thing. He Sorry said, to- download ways. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bother you. I think I'm having a heart attack. He says to me, stand on the side. I'm standing there a couple of minutes. I said to the guy, are they coming? He said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't call them yet. No one seemed to be very concerned that I was having a heart attack. And I'll tell you why. I was very calm. Right. That's your problem. I was yeah. very, very calm. Because of my spiritual training, I was telling myself, this is really weird. This is a very strange thing, but this is my path. For whatever reason, I have to go through this. The ambulance comes. First, a fire engine comes, right? Because firemen are EMTs, and very often they're the first on the scene. Fire engine pulls up. Four or five guys get off the truck. So they say to me, who's the patient? I said, me. The guy goes, well, climb up on the truck. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding? He goes, no, we're just effing with you like that. So everyone was joking, right? They finally, an ambulance comes and they get me in. Two guys who think it's hilarious that both their names are Mike. They finally get me in the ambulance and they start taking a medical history. And I'm like, can't you do this while we're driving to the hospital? No. They said, we have to do it now. I said, look, I'm a doctor. I know that you can ask me these questions. They're asking me ridiculous questions like, did you ever have an uncle that felt nauseous? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, never, never. What kind of question? Yeah. Did you ever have a cold in your life? So I, I finally convinced them to start, and they don't put the siren on. And I'm like, why aren't you using a siren? Well, and this they heart said, attack was not a big priority for anybody. For nobody. Yeah. Nobody. 
because I was staying in a good mood. Right. I th- I'm joking with the guys, so they're thinking that maybe it's not a heart attack. I didn't have a classic heart attack. They said it was a non-ST wave, which I found out later doesn't show on a cardiogram. So while they finally start driving, they tell me it's pouring rain, so they can't use the siren, because if they put the siren on, they have to go through the red lights, and it'll be safer for me if they drive slowly. So all of a sudden, I feel something squirt on my cheek. I'm like, what was that? They said nitroglycerin. I said, it's supposed to go in my mouth, not on my face. (laughs) Anyway, they finally get me there. The doors won't open to the hospital, Frank. They wheel me out, and the door the doors are supposed to fly open automatically. I'm like, this is part this is insane. This is just insane. And they're wheeling me back and forth. They finally get me in there, and I laid in the emergency room for nine hours, from three in the afternoon until midnight. Luckily, some genius put me on blood thinners, and they found out the next day I was ninety five percent blocked wow. in the major artery to my heart, the one they call the widowmaker. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Luckily, I wasn't married anymore. There was no widow, and I survived. <laughs> but it was through. <laughs> it was no fault of my own. You know, I mean, it was crazy. They put in a stent, and I was fine. But again, while I'm laying in the hospital, I'm processing what's happening, and I'm like, you have to stay positive. If you're in a negative state, your immune system is not functioning right. That's well. That's so true. That's so and you true. Can't, and it's very hard to recover. And so you must fight to stay positive. I, I tell everybody that with uh, whatever they're dealing with, very little is ever helped by wallowing in negativity Pity and worry and stuff. So, so listen. So I'm back on stage five days later. Five days when I left the hospital, they said to me, "Try and act like this never happened." I'm like, "How do you do that?" I'm going home. I'm thinking I had a heart attack. Right. That's crazy. I didn't know how Big to process deal. it. I'm back on stage five days later at New York Comedy Club. The owner says to me. What are you crazy? You just had a heart attack. And I was like, yeah, but it's hard to get a spot here. I don't want, I don't want to lose my spot. Only a comedian could be that crazy. I love it. Uh, by the way, Jeffrey Gurian is here. If you want to learn more about his work, you can check out the website, comedymatterstv.com. That's comedymatterstv.com. Uh, we're going to tell you how you can actually see Jeffrey this week. He's doing something pretty exciting. We'll tell you about that in a moment. You know, recently, the, the Surgeon General came out and said that loneliness Mm. is an epidemic and isolation can be a serious mental health hazard. He actually compared the the health effects of loneliness and isolation to smoking. Uh, You have some uh, expertise both studying happiness and being in the medical field. Do you buy that? Oh, for sure. I think loneliness is a killer. It really is. When you can't share stuff, you know, I do a lot of work with 12-step people. And the essence of 12-step programs, all programs, whether it's food or shopping, gambling, drugs, alcohol, it's all about sharing with people that you never met before. You go into a room, nobody knows your last name, nobody knows what you do for a living, and you share very intimate things about yourself with other people. And for some reason, that helps them to get better because people identify, you know, we're all unique to a degree. Not everyone has Carmine, yeah, but, they have, but they have other children, right? We, we, there's only so many things that a human being can experience. So we're, we're all unique to a degree, but we're also also the same. We're all the same to a degree. And when people are willing to share, when they're courageous enough, like the people that were calling in before and talking about having suicidal ideation and having stress affect their thinking, it's a very courageous thing to do, but uh, it helps so many other people because there's people who are home who are afraid to say those things. 
especially men. Well, believe, men don't want to cop to uh, feeling things. You know? That's uh, that's absolutely true. I've probably been guilty of that uh, myself from time to time. Believe it or not, some of the people who have had uh, some very trying life stories actually happen to be professional entertainers. And Jeffrey Gurian is in the midst of chronicling many of them. We're going to tell you what he's doing now and how you can actually be a part of it. You're not going to want to miss this. This is The Other Side of Midnight. My guest in studio for the hour is Jeffrey Gurian, comedy writer, stand-up comic, host, author, producer, director, and dentist. If you want to call in, if you have a question or a comment, you can reach us at 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Big tip of the hat to uh, all of our listeners listening on KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. Happy to be part of the Missouri family. We'll continue on the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is Jump Around. Believe it or not, this is a personal favorite of my in-studio guest, a comedian and a comedy writer, and etc., etc., Jeffrey Gurian. One wouldn't necessarily associate you with this particular song. I'll tell you how it happened. It became a theme song for me because I jump around. I'm, I'm in every comedy club. I go from club to club. I, you know, aside from everything else I do, I, I'm like a comedy journalist. Right. I've been covering the comedy scene for 20 years. So I go from club to club looking for new talent and supporting people, writing about people, uh, especially people that are talented. Mm-hmm. I never write a bad thing about anybody, which is why they all trust me. And I look for very unusual and different talent. And so because I jump around... That became my theme song. Speaking of music, I, I just shared the link to this on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Fan. You are the star of a new music video, which is actually quite good. It's called Mouth on My Money. You are not singing, I don't believe, but you are an integral part of this. It almost reminds me of that uh, Christopher Walken music yeah, right. video of 22 <laughs> years ago where he's uh, dancing around, tables jumping and around. Right. Yeah, I'm not clear why he's in it, but he is really what makes that video. And uh, you're terrific in this video. Tell me about Mouth on My Money. How did this Thank come you. to Well, be? first of all, Christopher Walken is a professional dancer, and I'm not. So... What happened was there's a comic named Joe DeRosa, and Joe DeRosa opens for Sal Volcano from the Impractical Jokers. Oh, sure, they're very popular. And those guys are all friends of mine. You know, they're all Staten Island yep. guys. They grew up friends from childhood, mm-hmm. and they do the craziest stuff. You know, that uh, their prank show, I think. It, oh, no, ten seasons, very popular. Ten seasons. So fortunately, they're all friends of mine. And so Joe called, and he says, we have a song. He also has a band, and it's called Salsa Windfall. And he goes, I have a song 
and I want to do our first music video, and I would like you to be in it. Now, I'm thinking that I'm going to be part of a group, right? Right. I don't think it's only me, right? It's just me. He goes, and I want you to dance to this song. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm very careful of how I appear in things. You know, know, I'm always worried. Like, I don't want to make a fool of myself. And I started thinking, though, if if the impractical jokers can do the things that they do, then I have to challenge my uncomfortability because this is something fun and it would be a great thing for me. And I agreed to do it. So we use, we shot it in the offices of the Impractical Jokers. They, wow. have, they have big offices downtown. And uh, Joe got permission to use this. And it's called Mouth on My Money. And I had to lip sync the words. I had to memorize the lyrics. Oh, no teleprompter there. No teleprompter. Wow. I had to memorize the lyrics. And uh, Chris Stefano who you probably know also. He's also a Staten Island mm-hmm. guy, and his career blew up. They have a, a filmmaker who films all their stuff who goes by the name of the Homeless Pimp for whatever <laughs> reason. I don't know why anybody would want to be known by that name, but that's how he promotes himself, the Homeless Pimp, and he's a very talented filmmaker. And so he shot it with another guy, and they did amazing things with it. They put so, an incredible special effects, and I'm dancing to this song while I'm... Lip syncing. Well, it's the song. terrific. It's a terrific. And, and video. it's got it's it's going viral. It's I, got I just shared it. People could check it out. Facebook.com slash Morano fan. Now, I uh, I teased this earlier. You are in the midst of uh, shooting a pilot for something called the raw side of comedy. What is the raw side of comedy? It's the inner workings of the comedy world. It it the purpose of the show, it, first of all, it's a competition slash reality show, something that hasn't really been done before, which is hard to come by because it's everything's been done. In the comedy world, they always say it's, it's all been done already. Um, it's to show how hard it is to make it in the comedy world, that there are people who really struggle. So today we shot the first part where I was doing bio interviews of the comedians. There was a guy who lived in his car for two years, no money, struggled people who came from other countries wow. who didn't speak english a woman um one one guy whose sister od'd and passed away from drugs and whose mother drank herself to death because of the sadness Jeez. and he's doing comedy and he actually he lost his meds today he flew in to do this interview and left a bag with his medication on the plane because he takes antidepressants but this is how important it is for some people to do comedy. In, in general, in the outside world, people are allowed to, to feel sadness and just process it themselves. But in the comedy world, no matter what's going on in your mm. life, you have to still go out on stage and make other people laugh. And that's a fascinating thing. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to follow them to work and talk to their uh, co-workers. We're going to talk to people in their family and see how doing comedy impacts them. But I, I found such compelling stories today. I did, for about four hours, I interviewed all these people. One woman, her mom was in prison for murder. And, and she describes herself as a street thug who now does security in a school. And she defuses school fights by using humor. Well, and she's also a, a uh, She's performer. a comedian. Wow. Yeah, all, all these people are comedians, but they have incredible backgrounds. So I'm fascinated by people who overcome obstacles. You know, in my own life, I did the stuttering thing. We talk about that. I stuttered very badly. And I always like to mention it because I know there are people listening 
who know people who stutter or may have people in their family who stutter. And nobody is telling people that they can get better. That's uh, such a good point. So uh, the raw side of comedy is, does this have a network home yet or is it No, is it's, that an, it's an independent pilot. We started it about seven months ago. It takes a long time to sure. prepare something, but we're shooting it this Wednesday, the 16th at Gotham Comedy Club. In New York City on West 23rd Street, 208 West 23rd. And I'm saying the address because any of your listeners who would like to come can send an email to rawsidecomedy at gmail.com with their name and the names of whatever guests they'd like to bring. And I'll make sure that they get entrance for free. So you're inviting... Anybody listening to this show who can come to you know New York West Twenty Third Street this Wednesday, they can come see the table. Well, you have a nice audience. We I do, wouldn't do that with everybody. But when I was performing part. in Southampton recently, we gave tickets away to two listeners, and they were such nice people, and they came to the show and had a great time. So if people can come, you have to be there by one fifteen because it's a two p.m. show. It's in the afternoon, and again, it's at Gotham Comedy Club. Uh, 208 West 23rd, closer to 7th Avenue than 8th Avenue, and you're going to have a good time. I, I don't but, doubt it. Uh, that's a guarantee. So it's, if people want to uh, to go to this, all the, for free. It's for free, the, unless they order drinks. They have to pay for drinks. The okay, drinks well, are not free. But the entrance will be free. So the uh, email address is rawsidecomedy at, at gmail.com. Gmail. There you go. And you'll see a competition deal. show. There'll be about 30 comics performing. We're going to pick the best 10 and they have no idea what we're going to do with them afterwards. That's the secret <laughs> that I can't say. But it's going to be something very special, and they're going to be very surprised. It, uh, you, recently, you spent uh, two nights with international comedy star Russell Peters, who uh, had four sold-out shows at City Winery. If people don't know who Russell Peters is, who is Russell Peters? I love talking about Russell Peters. I just, he's a very dear friend. He's an Indian comedian from Canada. Um, no accent, who does world tours. He's internationally known. And I, I don't think he would mind me saying he makes about $20 million a year. He's, wow. very, he's very successful. I oh, was with awesome. him when he sold out Madison Square Garden. 20,000 people come out to see Russell. And I call him the Messiah of comedy because if you look at his audience, he has a very multicultural audience, people of all backgrounds. And he points out their backgrounds mm. and he imitates every accent because he's so talented. He does amazing accents, especially, especially the Indian accent, when he talks about how his dad spoke to him growing up. And people love it. And he's, in a, he's the, an example of what I call the healing power of comedy. Uh -huh. I look at comedy as a healing force, as an opportunity for all people to get together and laugh at themselves and then laugh with each other. Not at each other in a mean way, but, you know, nobody's offended there. And that's what I love because he comes from a good place. And if people are intelligent people, always know if, if you use your intuition, you know if people are coming from a place of hatred or a place of love. Comedy used to be a much nicer form of entertainment where people were not offended. You could just say things. You know, it's very important to be able to laugh at yourself. Oh, uh, completely, please. You I, know? I'd go crazy if I couldn't <laughs> laugh at myself. Right. Um, it, you know, it's funny. I read that Russell Peters, one of his great influences in the field of comedy was George Carlin. And 30 years ago, Russell Peters actually got to meet George Carlin, and George Carlin told him to get on stage whenever and wherever possible. And Peter said he took that advice to heart. I, I think that's probably good advice 
not just for comedians, but for anybody that does anything, right? Just go out there and do and it. Do it and whatever do it. you're trying to do, whether you're a pro wrestler, a singer, a comedian, a writer, ra- radio commentator, whatever the case may be, just go out there and do it. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of fear involved. Believe me, it took me years until I had the courage to go out on stage. I was writing comedy for big stars for a long time before I actually went out to perform. But Russell is so kind. We spent a couple of nights backstage I watch from backstage and I hang out with him. And I brought two Indian friends. And of, uh, of course, he made fun of their names. There was a guy there named Indeep. He went off on that. Yeah, and, and a girl named Rashmi. And, and he just loves Indian names to make fun of. And it was these people's dream to meet Russell Peters. And he's so nice that he lets me bring people backstage to meet him. He's just a great guy. Now, speaking of uh, great guys and great comics, you know whose birthday it is today? Who? The one and only, one of my favorites, Steve Martin. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And now, I heard or read somewhere years ago, you tell a pretty interesting story about when you met Steve Martin. Did you ever meet Steve Martin? Only once or twice. Well, no, but, uh, I, I don't know what... I, I, well, I seems in my brain, you had a fun story about meeting Steve Martin, but uh, perhaps that's one of those things that's only in my brain. Maybe I drank too much over the weekend. I don't know. But so be it. I, I wish I had a funny story about meeting Steve Martin. I only met him once or twice. The, in uh, the very early days, in the days when he used to put the arrow through his head. And he right, that sure. I really enjoyed head, that. But right? it was a long time ago. Yeah. And it, I think it may have been up at Saturday Night Live. But of all my stories, that is not one of the ones that comes to mind. Fair enough. I, I stand corrected. He, um, I'm really enjoying him in this season of Only Murders in the Building, which I'm going to talk about a little bit, uh, a little bit later. You are uh, all over the place. You know. Uh, by the way, we're, if people want to learn more about Jeffrey Gurian, go to ComedyMattersTV.com, or you could check out his books. We're going to give you some highlights uh, from one of his books a little bit later. So uh, this shoot on Wednesday at the Gotham Comedy Club, it's very exciting, and uh, people can participate for free. Again, it's and, and Side Comedy. I'm hosting. I'm one of the exec producers, but I'm also hosting. So I'll be on stage oh, performing. That'll be fun. People can heckle. Introducing. Yeah. yeah. No, no heckling. No. How do you handle hecklers? You know, I'll tell you the truth. I don't get hecklers. I'll t- I, great story. I'm at, I'm at uh, Broadway Comedy Club one night, and... A woman came in who was so drunk, she was drunk already, and she was celebrating, I think, her 50th birthday with two other women. And she was so obnoxious, and she was yelling out while the MC was warming up the crowd. The host was warming up. It got to the point where he was yelling at her, F you, and she, wow. and she was giving him the finger, and she wouldn't shut up, and she ruined his act. First comma comes up, she does the same thing and ruins his act, and the producer comes over to me and he says, are you ready for that? And I said, I won't handle it. I don't accept treatment like that. I work too hard on my stuff. Anyway, I go up on stage, not a peep out of this woman, not one sound does she make. And I think it was because of the energy that I put out. People are very sensitive to energy. And I think she sensed the fact that I don't accept treatment like that. When I go on stage, I come up with confidence, which only happened by me curing myself of stuttering. When you cure yourself of something like that, it gives you a sense of confidence. And so when I go up on stage, I don't get hecklers. I really don't. I got a heckler once, and I introduced him to the audience. I said, ladies and gentlemen, there's a famous heckler in the house. I said, stand up, sir. How long have you been heckling people? I said, he goes from show to show trying to ruin the show. I said, here he is. And, and he, then he shut up. 
And and I've never had any hecklers. 800-848-9222. Tim is in the Queens. Tim, you're on with Jeffrey Gurian and Frank Morano. That's from the Twilight Zone. I, li- I like the Twilight Zone. Twi- you, did you ever watch Twilight Zone? Not as much as you. Yeah, see, I recognize <laughs> oh, that right away. Rod Serling, mm-hmm. the Twilight Zone. Oh, I thought you meant Star Trek for oh, a second. Well, well, no, well, I, used I, watch, fan uh, I used to watch the Twilight yeah, Zone. That, yeah, that was the was episode great. where the doll is trying to kill Tully Savalas. Uh, it's kind of an er- early child's play type see, thing. See, that fascinates me that people can remember things from so long ago. I don't have that capacity. I, I well, literally yeah, you don't even remember, remember meeting Steve Martin. But I can't remember any mo- I wish I had a story. I would have <laughs> saved that whole thing. I, but I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, no, it's my I fault. only met him once or twice. But I, I envy people. I know people, and maybe you could do that. They can actually repeat dialogue from movies that they've seen. I don't remember any movie I've ever seen, even movies that I wrote. Frank. Wow. When I have, I have to reread it. I think what happens in my mind is that I go into a dream state, like... You know how when you have a dream, if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it for more than a day or so? That's what happens to me when I watch a movie. And I can watch the same movie twice and not realize I already saw it until something says, hey, wow, that looks familiar. I must have seen this movie already. You know, my wife is like that. Uh, remembering things, especially things like movies, she'll remember important things, but remembering things is not necessarily her strong suit. So I always say... That there are two films based on her. There's a, a film called Memento about a guy who can't form. Um, who uh, he has well, a he very short term memory. Yeah, he he can he, he can only remember the last uh, twelve hours or something. Uh-huh. And then there's another film which is very funny, a, 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 a comedy with Dana Carvey called Clean Slate, where every time he goes to sleep, he loses his memory. Really? And I always say both of those are based on Rachel, but one went a more dramatic turn, the other took a more comedic. Well, I have ADHD and I have a little bit of OCD. And so I, you know, I've, I've had to learn. I, I can feel very smart about certain things and like a moron when it comes to other stuff. And it's very important to know your strengths and to acknowledge your weaknesses. Some people only deal with their weaknesses, that they're horrible at everything. I'm, I'm good at, I'm, I'm good at some things, but I'm not good at others because of the way my mind works. And it's very important for people to learn how they process information. I process information in a very different way. When I was tested, the doctor said to me, it's amazing that you got through school. And I graduated at the top of my class, number 54 out of 126. And he said, you must have had to work 10 times as hard as everyone else. And I'm like, yes, I did. You you know what what I was going to say about the Twilight Zone, though? There, There was a new version of the Twilight Zone a year or two ago. And I think with Jordan Peele in the Rod Serling role oh, yeah. as the producer and yeah. as the host. And in the first episode, it's very interesting. And it has to, maybe it's the second episode, but it has to do with a comedian. And I think it's an Indian comedian. It's not uh, Russell Peters, uh, but it's it's a very talented comedian. And there's a very cool story. That episode, the, the new Twilight Zone, it had some very good episodes, some very weak episodes. But, uh, oh, oh, you know, that's a particularly strong episode. I, I think... There's always a little bit of um, a spookiness whenever you're talking about night and uh, comedy clubs, comedy acts happen to take place at night, and it did work well in that kind of format. So if you have, I think it's on uh, Paramount Plus. If you have Paramount Plus, I do recommend checking out just that episode. I will have to check it out. I'm binge watching Suits. 
Did you ever watch I, Suits? I haven't. I'm told it's very good. I happened to watch it. I, I was hoping there was only three seasons. I'm into the seventh season. I can't stop watching it. And I'm impressed. The cast is so amazing. And it's about lawyers. But they're so incredible. They say things to people that we could never say. I bet. Because they, <laughs> I they, bet. they just speak so upfront with people. It's, it's everybody's dream to be able to say those kind of things to people and get away with it. And Meghan Markle... I'm surprised that she's so good. I didn't expect her to be so talented. Well, I mean, you're going to marry a prince. You better be a pretty good well, actress. she's right? got something, I'll tell you. All right, was... 800-848-9222, Jeffrey's in Forest Hills. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, I'm in Queens, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. hello, hello, Frank. Hello, Jeff. My name is also, um, no, sorry. Great um, name, by the way. Da- I made a name. My dad was also a dentist. He died years ago. But I stuttered as a, as a boy. Um, he was a great, I'll call him a great narcissist of a man. He'd read articles at the dinner table, all have to listen to his, you know, he was a good, great intellectual. Anyway, he would um, interrupt me as in, in, my, in my teenage years, and I always had to defer to his interruptions. And at some point, I, I don't know what happened, but at some point, we, we said, the family said, it's your interruptions, and your son always having to defer, that is causing Jeffrey stuttering. So stop interrupting Jeffrey. He stopped. My stuttering stopped. Amazing. And I'm not surprised, because most people start stuttering as children, five, six, seven years old, but we start speaking when we're about two, and then we're speaking fine, and then something happens. And I look at stuttering as if it's like a, a nervous habit. It's a reaction to something that's going on in your life. And at that age, exactly. we're surrounded by our parents. Mm. That's who you're with. You're not out in the world. You're home with your parents. So it's something usually that's happening in the family dynamic that affects children, uh, especially children that are very sensitive and very creative. Stutterers tend that to be it. stutterers tend to be very kind people, and they would right. rather hurt themselves than somebody else. Thanks, Jeffrey. Appreciate the call. Uh, That comedian that's in that Twilight Zone episode, which is also called The Comedian, his name is uh, Kamal uh, Kamal Nanajani. Um, who and it's a very funny episode, I must say. Do you know him, Nanjani? Yeah, you K- do. Kumail, Kumail, Kumail Nanjani. Okay. He starred in this thing about uh, strip clubs. Um, he's the star of this film. I'm trying to remember what it was. A, a very big TV show. He's great, and he started working out, and he built himself up like Joe Piscopo did. Oh, really? Do you remember? I know Joe before he started working sure. out. I have pictures of him when uh, he was I'd like thin, to see that. I and now it. he's so muscular, and so is Kumail Nanjani. He played the owner of, I don't know, it was uh, Chippendales? Very big show on Netflix. He's the, he was the star of it, but well, very I'm funny. I'm not surprised because he's very good in this Twilight Zone episode. I do recommend it. Check it out. Just very watch fun. that I one will. Episode. I definitely They're will. They're all kind of standalone. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah, I have uh, two things I want to bring up. First is uh, the comedians generally like that I start with a broad category uh, to draw material from, or they go to something specific, like the movie Barbie probably could be material with all this pink. My second thing was just impromptu play off on people more towards the front of the audience, how they're dressed, their mannerisms. Is there any read into that that can draw out some comedy in the moment? I'm not sure really what you're asking, but there are comics who, who focus on the audience. It's called crowd work. And most of the time, the host of the show does that to warm up the audience, to make them feel involved. Uh, these days, crowd work is becoming very popular. Russell has been doing a lot of crowd work. 
people like Big J. Okerson did a whole TV special, only crowd work. Years ago, it was considered that you ran out of jokes when you're doing right. crowd work, that no one cares where you're from, where you're from. So there's, a, there's a comedian named Jimmy Brogan who opens for Jay Leno for many, many years, and he started at, at the comic strip. Now, I did the book on the comic strip with Chris Rock. Mm. Richie Tinkin was it's the owner. on Amazon, and, by the way. People could check it out. Call it Make Them Laugh. Richie Tinkin was the owner and the founder, and uh, and uh, I and I lost my train of thought. Why was I telling you that? Well, because uh, Joe, oh, I think, oh, was oh, asking oh. about so, Jimmy Brogan source material. They they would never put him on stage because when he was new, he would get up on stage. He would he would work late night. And he would say to the audience, "Where are you from, sir?" No one answered, and he would bomb. One night. A comedian didn't show up for the early show, and Richie had nobody to put on but Jimmy Brogan. There was a packed house. He said, where are you from, sir? People answered, and he killed. And Richie realized that he was really funny, and he was kind of the originator of crowd work. I, I, um, and that's in the book. It's in the book. That's it's in the a book. story. Yeah, and he opens for Jay Leno all these years. I, um, and by the way, I'm just looking at my notes for our discussion here, and I, I see – why I made that mistake of of because uh, I just wrote in my notes um, Jeffrey Gurian Steve Martin right and uh, you know when I prepare for an interview it's almost like you you read as much as you can and uh, consume as much as you can and, and you're always down, prepared right exactly you're always, well, you're, you're, and you jot down whatever notes you can and I came across an article that you re- wrote about ten years ago interviewing Judd Apatow, and you interviewed Judd Apatow about him meeting Steve Martin. Oh, okay. And I, 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 I starred where it says, meeting Steve Martin, in that part of the article. I highlight it, so that's my error. That makes sense. At 800-848-9222, we'll give you some highlights from uh, Jeffrey's best-selling book, Man Robs Bank with His Chin in... Uh, Man Robs Banks with His Chin in just a moment. First, let me say hello to Charlie in Brooklyn. Hello, Charlie. Hi, uh, Jeffrey. Uh, my uh, neighbor, my upstairs neighbor, was a house drummer for the comic strip. Jeff Geralman. Do you remember him? No, I, I didn't. You know what? In the early days, they did have music. They would play the comedians on and off stage with music. But I, I don't think I was yeah. there in those days. That was back in the seventies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that 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 was the guy. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a former stutterer. I'm a musician who also does comedy. I have a viral video on YouTube, 9.8 million views wow. of me with, with, with Steve Harvey. You look up Eminem's dad meets Steve Harvey. It's me, but I, I'm not really Eminem's dad. But I also did comedy. How do I get into one of your uh, – you know, I, I just emailed rawsidecomedy at gmail.com. But I, I have uh, – but if you look up Eminem's dad meets Steve Harvey, you'll see. My name is Charles Pellerant. And it's nine point eight. Somebody made a short of it on my own channel. It's like you must have made a ton of money because YouTube pays a lot for those views. Nine point eight million. Not for shorts. The way it's weird. It's called eminent domain. I was doing impressions of rappers. Uh, He would call up LL Cool J and Snoop Dogg, and I would do their voices. I'm an impressionist too. So well, I'd love to see it if you sent if you sent the link. I'll take a look at it. 
uh, I, I sent it. Is it, is it raw side, R-A-W-S-I-D-E, comedy at gmail.com? That's it. That's great. And we'll uh, we'll look forward to checking that out, Charlie. I'm going to find you on YouTube as well. We're going to continue with Jeffrey Gurian in a moment. Uh, we'll try and get to some more of your calls if there's time. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Also, hey, coming up next hour, very excited to uh, talk with Tony Award-winning actor John Rubenstein. He is currently starring in Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground. Looking forward to uh, talking with him not only about the play, but about Eisenhower in general. Then we'll talk a little bit about social media. There's some a lot of other stories we're going to try and get to throughout the course of the program. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. the backyard an old time melody I love to hear the music I was only five I listened as his fingers made the banjo come alive Sometimes this I is the great Steve Martin singing Daddy Played the Banjo. Uh, we are celebrating Steve Martin's birthday which uh, should probably be a national holiday. He keeps he's saying that after he's done with the series that he's on now, he's not going to seek any more work. That he's sort of going to be semi-retired. But I feel like he always says that. I feel like he says that every four or five years. He just wants to play the banjo, and then he ends up doing something else. So hopefully he'll still keep working. All right. Uh, joined in studio for the hour by Jeffrey Gurian. Jeffrey Gurian is an incredible guy. And uh, you could see the music video that he's in on my Facebook page. There's also a very amusing uh, short documentary about Jeffrey. If you go to the YouTube while you're looking at Charlie as uh, Eminem's dad, just search who the F is Jeffrey Gurian. And you will learn a lot about Jeffrey Gurian in a short amount of time. It's also pretty entertaining. Uh, One of the themes that we've been talking about, Jeffrey, though, is using comedy and using really whatever's in your wheelhouse as a means of healing when you're having a tough time. One of the many books that you've written Eight. is on that yeah. subject, right? Yes, yeah. And and I wanted to mention it. Thank you for bringing that up because there's a lot of people at home who are suffering with stress and depression. The book is called Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, A Spiritual and Humorous Approach to Achieving Happiness. It's got a picture of a meditating dog on the cover. You know how hard it is to get a dog to sit in lotus position? I, I, Almost I impossible. I but no, imagine. but the theme of the book, the essence of the book, is that from the time we're children, every time someone hurts our feelings or breaks a promise to us, hurts us in some way, bullies you, says something that insulting to you, or breaks up with you in a relationship, we carry that inside of us in our heart chakra. I call them heart wounds. So when the book says healing your heart, it's not about heart disease. 
It's about the painful things that we carry with us from our past that stay with us, and it affects our self-esteem and our self-confidence and affects every decision we make. So to get out of depression and sadness, it has to do with the way we think. We're all holding thoughts that are not valid for us, and I had to use that to cure myself of stuttering. I had to figure out what thoughts I was holding, negative thoughts about myself that were not valid. And that's not an easy process, but people need to examine their thinking because so many people are thinking negative things about themselves that were given to them by other people. The book is called Healing Your Your Heart by Changing Your Your Mind. Mind. All right, we're almost out of time. And again, I want to encourage people to come see Jeffrey at the uh, Comedy Club, at the uh, Gotham Comedy Club this Wednesday. You can just email rawsidecomedy at gmail.com to get in for free. At least one story I have to ask you about, Jeffrey, from your uh, best-selling book, Man Robs Bank with His Chin. A man was killed for giving his girlfriend a snail instead of an engagement ring? Yeah, she had been waiting for this. To get engaged for 18 years. This, and this happened in Gillibend, Arizona. Now, this Hiram Trask, he had been dating this woman, Emma Baldoon was her name. 18 years she's waiting to get engaged. He finally invites her out to a restaurant, the fanciest restaurant in Gillibend. And she's expecting a ring. And he had read somewhere that in the Fiji Islands, when a man wants to impress a woman, he gives her a tiny snail. So he took he took out this thing and, and he gives her a snail and she flipped she killed him and lesson the snail. Lesson learned, folks. Lesson learned. To be continued.